Welcome to the Lodestar podcast. In this sponsored episode, we're looking at AP Muller-Mersk's strategic transformation and why in a world of flux, when you never quite know what's around the corner in freight markets or indeed in geopolitics, the Danish giant has decided to invest up and down its supply chain, including in its air cargo assets. Walking me through some of the changes that one of the world's largest container lines or vertically integrated logistics companies as it's rebranding itself as an air cargo veteran and AP Molomers, brand new regional head of air freight for Europe. It's Annette Kreuziger. Looking at our fleet in 2024, we will bring in two additional new build Boeing 777, which will be received in the second and the third quarter of 2024. So we will for sure keep on focusing on our customers' needs and stay as flexible as possible when it comes to adapting our network accordingly. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike King. You're listening to a sponsored Lodestar podcast. And today, as trailed, I'm speaking to Annette Kreuziger, AP Molomers Regional Head of Air Freight for Europe. Annette has an impressive resume, but unlike many of Mers appointments in the past, her CV is not all about the shipping. Rather, she's a veteran of Lufthansa Cargo and Swiss World Cargo. Annette, welcome to the Lodestar podcast. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm happy to be here and I'm very much looking forward to the podcast. Annette, I'll, I guess I'll have to ask you, you only joined Maersk in September after a lengthy stint at Lufthansa. What does your new position entail? And, and I guess my second point to this question is, after a career in air cargo, why move to a company most famed for its shipping? Yes, Mike, that's correct. I joined Maersk in September as a regional head of Air Europe. What does this position entail? I'm responsible for translating global strategies into regional roadmap and also providing guidelines across the product effort. With my team, we anchor growth enablement and uh, solutioning at a regional level, reviewing the sales pipeline and qualifying it. Also in close cooperation with our colleagues in the area to ensure effective operations. We orchestrate two European gateways, Frankfurt and Amsterdam, a trucking network throughout Europe, as well as our hub in Billund from where we operate own controlled flights. Now you're asking me why I joined Maersk. I mean, Maersk is famous for its shipping. However, I got attracted by the newly established air freight division and its strategy to go into an integrated logistic service offer. As air freight is a quite young product within Maersk, it fascinates me, contributing with my air freight knowledge and being part of this exciting journey. So I think I can bring most profitable and constant growth by my experience and at the same time contributing uh, to our strategy 2013 to provide truly integrated logistic solutions. Thanks for that summary, Annette. Let's rewind slightly and let's have a look at uh, where Maersk is going with all this. And I'll just review this slightly for our listeners, if I may. Back in 2016, AP Moller Maersk was essentially operating in two markets, Neither really had a great deal of synergy. The two markets were container shipping and maritime support services for the oil and gas sector. If I may say so, neither business was going particularly well. Uh, oil prices and ocean shipping freight rates were a bit bearish. Profits, market capitalization were, were in retreat. So there was quite a lot to think about back then. The challenge was keeping the company relevant, essentially by choosing one market or the other and divesting the rest. Now, since then, the logistics footprint around the box shipping operation has grown and grown. And I think it'd be fair to say that the pandemic 
and the, and the money that the company earned during it has enabled this transformation or at least enabled the um, acceleration of it. Although, you know, the flip side of that being that you guys have lost your top spot as the world's largest container line. Now, at the same time or adjacent to all this, Maersk Air Cargo has existed for quite a while. In fact, it was set up in 1987, but more of as an add-on or at, at least that's how it was viewed from the outside. So how does Air Cargo or Maersk Air Cargo fit into this history, this backdrop, or let's call it this long-term strategy of transformation? Yeah, I mean, Maersk Cargo, um, as you already mentioned, uh, was founded back already quite a long time. But at that time, it has a freighter fleet of around yeah, 15 aircrafts. It was uh, Boeing 767. And the airline had primarily been using its capacities to serve other carriers, like, for example, the U.S. integrator UPS out of the Cologne airport. And beside these 15 aircraft, we handle by Maersk Air Cargo, we operate a fleet of three owned, new-built Boeing 767, and we leased six aircraft, 767, where actually the sixth one started just recently. So what has changed over the last years is that now the air cargo business develops into an integrated part of our logistics and service portfolio. As the supply chains are facing continuous disruptions, so this growing demand for air cargo as well as for the end-to-end -end solution is seen. So MERS decided to launch an air cargo business. So MERS air cargo is an important step of this MERS strategy, as it will allow us to offer to our customers a truly integrated logistics offer, meaning that air freight being an integrated part of the other transport modes offered by MERS, such as ocean and inland and so on. This will be achieved through a combination of owned and leased aircraft and the remaining capacity will be provided by strategic partnership with commercial carriers and also charter flight operations. And the idea is to cover trans-Pacific lanes as well as the Asia-Europe routes with frequencies up to seven times per week. And with that, we are connecting then the world's three largest markets for ocean, which is North America, Europe, and Asia-Pacific. I don't know. Who are your main customers at the moment in terms of how you deploy those freighters and who for? Yeah, the objective of us is to service even better the needs of our customers and offer them reliable solutions for time-sensitive cargo. So our solutions are designed to accommodate specific transport demands of our customers. And we continue to adapt to ever-changing requirements of vertical industries, such as retail, lifestyle, automotive, and fast-moving mm -hmm. consumer goods, chemicals, and technology. However, even if we are talking about standard freight, this comes as well with a choice of solutions. For example, when it's time critical, you choose priority air. When it's flexible, is key, flexibility is key, you choose premium air. And when price matters, you choose economy air. So for very individual and specialized air freight services with a customized design when it comes to schedule, cargo size, security and reliability, we provide air charter solutions. And depending on the customer's requirements, we can also benefit from a more agile supply chain solutions by combining the ocean shipments with the air freight solutions. What I mentioned before, we are talking about sea air or air sea, which is a powerful combination that helps to reduce transit times and costs. 
How does your hub in Berlin, Denmark, fit into all this? It's a pretty small airport uh, by global standards for a global logistics company, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Billund is a very small town in central Denmark, however, very well known by Lego. And Billund Airport itself is quite small as far as European airports go. For example, with just 29 airlines flying to 67 destinations and I think roughly passenger traffic around 3.5 million annually. Now to put this into perspective, Schiphol Airport, for example, in Amsterdam hosts 72 airlines flying to 270 destinations with a total passenger traffic of 52.2 million back in 2022. For customers, this means transit is more reliable with flights being traditionally less exposed to congestions and delays at the smaller airports. However, from our perspective, the key benefits at Billund for us is being the airport's number one customer on the ground as Maersk aircraft are subject to the priority loading and unloading by crew. And loading and unloading takes considerably longer at larger airports, so that is our advantage. Recent months, we have seen ground handling issues across Europe, like, for example, strikes and labor shortages, so causing significant delays and flight schedules. This is something we hope to prevent at Binund Airport. So with Maersk having its own pilots, maintenance staff, and also operations, as well as the forwarding teams on the site at Billund, together with a self-controlled aircraft network, there are fewer external entries to rely on within operations and increasing reliability benefiting our customers. Air freight customers are particularly vulnerable to such delays given the time-sensitive nature of their cargoes. So getting goods out of the plane onto the next part of the journey as fast as possible is key. So that is why with less areas of supply chain proneness, customers can better plan their logistics operations and ultimately ensure faster speed to market for revenue opportunities. That is why Billund is for us the key success factor. Thanks for that summary, Annette. Let's just change tack slightly if we may. I guess what the, the pandemic taught the business and political worlds was how crucial supply chains are when black swan events happen. And an aside to that, I think any rational analysis after the fact of the pandemic would conclude that supply chains and supply chain operators proved themselves to be remarkably efficient at meeting the needs of the world in that crisis, even though costs did obviously increase, as anyone listening to this would know. But the end of COVID lockdowns doesn't necessarily mean the end of black swan events. How do you see a cargo fitting into your ability as a logistics company to meet the urgent emergency or, or time critical elements of your customers' businesses? Yeah, I mean, Mike, we talked about the interconnectivity yeah, of the supply chains. So this can magnify disruption in several ways. Let me give two examples to explain this statement. First of all, the dependency on key suppliers. For example, interconnected supply chains often result in uh, companies relying on a smaller number of key suppliers. If one of these critical suppliers experiences disruption, it can have a domino effect impacting all businesses that depend on their products or services. Or another example, globalization challenges. The global supply chains increase the complexity of dependencies and vulnerabilities. Events like natural disaster, geopolitical tensions or pandemics can disrupt production in one part of the world affecting the entire supply chain 
that embraces multiple regions. So this shows that it is important to build supply chain resilience. To do so, one way, for example, is to have a variety of transport modes at your disposal, what we have at Maersk. And there comes this picture of Maersk into play that its air freight offer. With air freight, we can boost flexibility and increase transportation and speed in order to solve or at least to reduce the challenges and eventually even saving costs. So air cargo is essentially adding another string to your black swan response bow. I mean, that's a bit convoluted. I think you know what I mean. Can I put it like that? Yes, I, I would say so. The moment there is a black swan event happening, air freight might be the solution or at least the support to come out of this solution. That is, for example, the example with the COVID pandemic, where air freight came into picture, where everything else stood still, but air freight came into picture transporting thousands of masks, for example. Got it. Now, um, one of the big challenges facing any logistics company as they expand into new realms is linking all their assets and services together. How do you bring the various logistics elements of Maersk's expanded supply chain portfolio covering ocean, land and air? How do you bring them all together for customers? I think technology is key here. Technology is here the key element, bringing all these logistics modules together, especially when it comes to the truly integrated logistics solutions. The technology must provide a framework by supporting the provision of visibility. Visibility is also something which is really key. For example, recommendations and actions, as well as enabling a right to win across several value propositions, such as a global network presents, intuitive booking, multimodal functionality, enhanced visibility, and so forth. In doing so, the technology is pivotal to providing highly sophisticated customer journeys through interactive pathways. What does this mean? That means, for example, electronic booking directly via MERS.com or own controlled um, via APIs or EDI. Looking at our SS technology today, key foundations are in place. However, to be honest, there is still a huge gap to close when competing with current customer journeys offered by some of the top air freight forwarders or digital forwarders in the market. When you look at the global freight market and net, and particularly those categories of cargo that tend to move on freighters, where do you see the most opportunity? Yeah, when I look at the global uh, cargo market, it's for sure difficult to provide uh, future projections for specific opportunities in the air freight. However, for sure, we know there are some obvious factors influencing air freight opportunities. And these are, for example, global trade, trends, economic growth, industry-specific demands, or e-commerce growth. So taking global trade trends, air freight opportunities often align with trends in international trade. For example, emerging markets and industries can present new opportunities. Talking about economic growth, regions experience economic growth, may see an increased demand for air freight services as business expands and trade volumes go up. Industry-specific demands. I touched this a little bit before. Certain industries, such as, for example, pharma and electronics, might generate a more consistent demand for air freight due to the needs for fast and secured transportation with special logistics solutions. Or e-commerce growth. The ongoing growth in e-commerce often drives demand for expedited shipping 
resulting in opportunities for air freight, especially for the high value and the time critical consignments. E-commerce was certainly a part of the global freight picture that accelerated during the pandemic, not least because we were all stuck at home ordering things. What sort of growth rates are you expecting uh, in that area? <laughs> That's a good question. Historically, the cross-border e-commerce sector has been a significant driver for of growth in the air freight industry, especially due to the need for fast and reliable transportation. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic further accelerated this and shifted more towards e-commerce. But it is not only the pandemic. The demand for efficient logistics and fast solutions via air freight is something the people got used to. So therefore, my personal expectation on growth rates when it comes to cross-border e-commerce business are on further substantial growth. I would say my personal around 7 to 8%. Balanced out for sure on a stronger growth out of China, Japan and Korea, and a more decent growth out of Europe. As a company that wasn't necessarily associated with e-commerce logistics, is it part of your job to find the cargo and the customers that helps you fill the planes? Or is it more a case of offering this service to the larger shippers that your ocean business is already dealing with? Actually, when it's coming to filling our planes, we are for sure looking for those customers and industries having by nature of their goods high demand for speed, reliable delivery, and also high value. This is valid for many customers operating in technology, fast-moving consumer goods, lifestyle, pharmaceuticals, and the automotive industry. For those customers, air freight solutions are a critical component of the supply chain. So in the end, it is kind of a mixture of what we are focusing for getting the cargo on the plane of vertical industries with high demand for air freight, for sure of e-commerce customers requesting fast and reliable end-to-end -end logistics offerings, and also the ocean customers with an increased demand on integrated logistics, plugging a connectivity gap between the three largest markets for ocean, North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific with new solutions for time-sensitive and high-value cargo and a critical flexibility to manage the supply chain disruptions, what we also discussed before. Maersk often talks, especially during the pandemic, about the benefits of being able to secure space by working with an asset owner. Presumably, you'd apply the same logic to freighters as ships, but does that logic really stack up when the supply of assets outweighs demand like it is in both those markets at the moment? So, Mike, for me personally, I would decouple uh, being asset owner on air freight side from the logic applied for ocean. For me, as an asset owner in air freight, I do see uh, several advantages. For example, the control over operations. If you own assets, means you have direct control. This can lead to more flexibility, also in adapting to the market demands and optimizing operational efficiency. Also, cost management plays an important role here. As an asset owner, you can manage your costs more directly. And I guess it's also a kind of image topic. So owning assets can contribute to building a strong brand image. Customers might perceive a company that owns the aircrafts as more dependable and more committed to the service quality. Also, I see this specialization as very important. For example, higher flexibility in tailoring the assets to meet a specific customer demand or to be able to easily adapt to niche markets.
For example, you can bring in an aircraft as a charter solution for an emergency topic with a huge amount of cargo. Annette, how did Maersk perform during the 2023 peak season? Because as we we were in the run-up to the peak season, they didn't seem like much was going to happen. But then we saw rates build, demand build. There was a few tech product launches. uh, E-commerce was building up. How did that reflect for, for you guys? Yeah, that's correct what you are saying, Mike. In a way, Air Cargo has been performing a peak season. However, I would call it a subdued peak season. October seemed to have brought back signs of recovery. Air Cargo demand reached even its highest level in 2023, looking into the year-over-year development. But at the same time, Air Cargo supply came back. So it has been recovering throughout 2023 with one effect that we do see a rebalance of supply and demand, and this had the effect then on the rate development. So resulting in a consecutive rate decline for the last 12 consecutive months. So at the same time, air cargo supply has been covering throughout 2023 with the effect that we do see a rebalance um, of supply and demand. This had an effect on the rate development, resulting in a consecutive rate decline for the last 12 months. And then now in the Q4 of this year, we start seeing a year and rise of rates, at least in some areas, like, for example, out of Asia. What's your expectations or, or plans for 2024, Annette? Will you be bringing back your idle traders? Will you be making more investments? Yeah, first of all, our plans for 2024 is to realize further profitable growth and to extend our global air freight activities, such as, for example, introducing new services, like, for example, an express product, as well as a service for dangerous goods. Looking back on the technical side, we will aim at further developing our SIS technology landscape in order to bring the level of interaction with our customers to the next stage. And looking at our fleet in 2024, we will bring in two additional new built uh, Boeing 777, which will be received in the second and the third quarter of 2024. So we will for sure keep on focusing on our customers' needs and stay as flexible as possible when it comes to adapting our network accordingly. AP Moller Maersk has pledged to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions in 2040, 10 years ahead of initial 2050 targets. You guys have also said a range of 2030 targets will put you firmly on track and allow you to offer various green products. How will you get there given the emissions from air cargo operations and the lack of sustainable aviation fuel around? Are you looking to use more SAF? Yeah, today SAF is the only feasible solution uh, we see to have real and immediate emission reductions. Availability of SAF is a challenge as it is only available on 0.1% of the conventional jet fuel. So SAF is also two to five times more expensive than conventional jet fuel, which hampers its uptake. So offering this to our customers, they are basically very prepared to buy SAF, but not at this cost. So having said that, we see growing awareness and demand regarding the transparency of the emissions and its reduction. So this is good news. And also governments are introducing incentive schemes. What we see, for example, in the US with the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, which is aimed to boost production of SAF. 
Europe has introduced the blending mandate as of 2025, which is again aimed to boost SAF production. However, despite all these initiatives, the need of the hour is there. So it is a collaborative approach needed among all parties in this journey to vastly improve the production on SAF. To achieve our ambitious net zero and interim targets, what you mentioned, we are constantly in touch with the airlines and the producers to understand the availability of SAF. And we are having discussions with them for long takeoff and joint investments in production. On the other side, we are also taking a long-term collaborative approach with our customers to ensure price stability and availability of SAF. So we know that other technologies are under development and their feasibility still to be proven. Therefore, what we are also working with solutions like using the other airlines with newer fleet and direct solutions which result in less emissions. Annette Kreuziger, AP Mullen Merst, Regional Head of Air Freight for Europe. Thanks for joining me today for a chat on this Lodestar sponsored podcast. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike. <laughs>